Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We need, and we haven't done this yet, to centralize our public health system. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. We have done exactly what needed to be done, which is provide and give an effective vaccine. The key for gun safety reform advocates is to think about this in the long term. These times when change happen, often brief, so you want to get as much accomplished as possible. This is KCBS In-Depth. In 1966, California became one of the first states in the country to outlaw LSD. Now, more than 50 years later, the Golden State is rethinking its stance on psychedelics with new legislation that could one day soon decriminalize a range of psychoactive compounds. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi, and today on the program, we're going to consider the high hopes behind this push toward decriminalization and also discuss the backlash from those who worry about its potential dangers. Then in the second half, we'll also check in on the growing field of research into psychedelic compounds as possible treatments for debilitating mental ailments. This is very exciting for those of us that have been waiting for many, many years to have this opportunity. First up, though, California taking another step down the path toward decriminalization. This past week, the state assembly's public safety committee greenlit SB 519, a bill that would allow the personal use and social sharing of a number of psychedelic compounds. Those include psilocybin, the active compound in magic mushrooms, as well as LSD, MDMA or ecstasy, and several others. Meantime, the bill also aims to advance therapeutic uses for the drugs as well. The measure has already won a narrow majority in the state Senate, but still has more votes to go in the assembly. So to tell us more about it, we're going to hear first from its author, State Senator Scott Weiner. Uh, Senator Weiner, welcome to KCBS In Depth. Thank you for having me. So you're introducing this measure in the context of uh, a lot more medical interest in these drugs and also uh, a much broader decriminalization push uh, happening throughout the country, uh, notably here in the Bay Area, Oakland and Santa Cruz. So uh, to start things off, if you could talk about this moment uh, and why you think that the time has come to decriminalize psychedelics. Sure. Well, this legislation to decriminalize the possession of psychedelics doesn't, it does not decriminalize selling, but possession for personal use. It really sits at the intersection of two, I think, really important pushes in our society, society today. One is to make sure that people have access 
to treatment for mental health and addiction. And we know that there is compelling and growing scientific evidence that these substances are incredibly helpful in treating uh, mental health and addiction. But the other piece is that we have acknowledged and are acknowledging that the war on drugs has been an abject failure. The idea that we're going to just arrest and incarcerate our way out of drug use, it doesn't work. We've spent 50 years spending huge amounts of money to mass incarcerate people based on drugs, and people are still using drugs just as much or more than before. So we want to take a health approach to drugs, not a not an incarceration approach. And what this bill does, it says we're going to stop arresting people for personal possession of psychedelics. So it, it, it moves us in a positive direction in, in, in these various areas. Mm. And uh, we do have another voice that I want to bring in in a second. Uh, but real quick, just on that point of the law enforcement response, give us a sense of the sorts of prosecutions and law enforcement response that you're uh, hoping to put a stop to. Uh, are many people right now getting prosecuted for psychedelic drug use? Well, p- yeah, people do get um arrested absolutely and and you know they, they tend to not be people who look like me and you can't see me but i'm white uh it, it as always the people who are getting um, arrested are tend to be people who are uh, black or brown uh, and that's always been the case with the war on drugs targeting black and brown communities um, but regardless of whether people are getting arrested when you criminalize the possession of a drug um, or, or, or we tried to criminalize alcohol back during prohibition. It was a complete failure. But with drugs, when you criminalize their possession, people, when they're, when they're possessing, when they're using, know that they may be branded as a criminal, whether or not they're ever arrested. And so they're in the shadows. They don't talk about it. They don't try to seek out education and information on how to use safely so that they don't have a problem. And, and it, it's, it's stigma. And that completely undermines a health approach to drugs to to try to make sure that people are being safe and healthy. All right, we're going to take some of those points over to the opposition right now. Real quick, I want to remind listeners, this is KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi speaking with State Senator Scott Weiner about his bill to decriminalize the personal use of psychedelic drugs. Uh, it's now working its way through the state assembly. And uh, as we just mentioned, it's a push that is meeting with quite a bit of opposition, uh, of course. And we're going to bring now one of those who's uh, been speaking out against it onto the program. That would be John Lovell, who is the legislative counsel of the California Narcotics Officers Association. John Lovell, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, sir. So I understand that you object to this bill on a number of different fronts. Uh, to get us started, talk us through some of the key concerns that you have, if you could. Sure. Um, well, the one thing I will say about the bill is, and this is with some degree of irony, is that it's timely. Uh, two years ago to uh, this weekend, uh, Bate uh, Kofi uh, had a massive overdose of LSD and went on a rampage, uh, stole a car from a security guard and started running down people uh, with the uh, stolen car. Um, He ultimately hurt a number of people, uh, was um, uh, under enormous remorse afterwards. And the courts did the right thing. They saw that he didn't have any mens rea. He was under uh, a lot of um, uh, remorse and they arranged for a year of in-home incarceration. Now that's a long way removed from what I would contend is a a false binary choice. 
Law enforcement does not arrest people or prosecute people for simple possession. In fact, Proposition 36 has been on the books for years now. And if someone who is arrested goes through treatment and succeeds, it's all wiped out. Uh, so this is very, very different uh, from the days of two, three decades ago. Um, our concern about this bill is that it involves unfettered distribution and um, uh, sharing of drugs. Take LSD. In addition to the uh, over to the issues that LSD can cause if improperly used, it, it, it can be a life sentence. People who use LSD can get flashbacks that go through their entire life. People in my family have experienced that. Um, the concept of social sharing, when many of us don't know what's in things that are being socially shared, lights the pathway for overdose fatalities, which have been on the upswing in any case. Um, those are our uh, that, those are our concerns with with this bill. All right, so a, a lot of points there, and I hope we can unpack them over the course of this program. Uh, once again, that was John Lovell with the California Narcotics Officers Association. So, uh, Senator Weiner, taking some of those points back to you, and I, I, I suppose starting with one of the the main thrusts of that, this notion that uh, these drugs do have the potential for real harm when used irresponsibly. There's uh, high profile cases uh, that we can point to that suggest that, and that uh, this legislation doesn't do uh, enough to reckon with that potential for harm. So uh, let, let's be very clear a couple of things. People are using these drugs right now. The idea that criminalizing them stops people from using them is just patently false. People are using them or misusing them if they are misusing them right now. Uh, and all, all we're saying is let's stop arresting people and bring it into the sunlight so people have more information are not stigmatized and can use them more safely. So we have less misuse. But I also think specifically around psychedelics, there's a lot of scare tactics going on. Psychedelics are not driving some huge problem of overdoses or violence. These drugs are overwhelmingly not addictive. These are drugs that overwhelmingly are not causing people to do problematic things. Any substance, legal or illegal, can be misused. You can take too much of a substance. You can take it in the wrong way. Uh, you can, and, and that's true. You can take too many sleeping pills and cause problems. There, there are a lot of substances that you can misuse. But our whole point is let's bring this into the sunlight and stop threatening people with arrest so that people can use more safely. And the science here is clear. We don't have some huge problem of overdoses and rampages with psychedelics. I'll tell you what we do have. We have people who are addicted to heroin and they are using psychedelics to literally end their addiction to heroin. We have people who have PTSD who are using psychedelics to literally end, not just to improve their symptoms, to no longer have a PTSD diagnosis, to no longer have a depression diagnosis. Veterans, uh, people who are turning their lives around because traditional medicine has not been helping them and psychedelics are literally saving their lives and giving them their lives back. And so we hope eventually the FDA gets around to rescheduling these drugs and allowing doctors to prescribe them. 
I don't know when or if that's going to happen, but we have 18 veterans a day are committing suicide in the U.S., and our sponsors of this bill are combat veterans organizations who right now have to send veterans who fought for our country, they have to send them to Mexico or Peru to get psychedelic treatment so they don't commit suicide. Let's let them do it here without threatening to arrest them. State Senator uh, Scott Weiner, I, I really want to zero in on where I think the, the crux of the disagreement is here, which is the proper way to respond to the use of uh, these drugs uh, and I- exactly what sort of state re- response is required here. And uh, to maybe get a little bit closer to that, I'm going to turn back to you, John Level, uh, with the California Narcotics Associ- uh, Officers Association. Um, you have been quoted as saying that your organization does not seek to incarcerate anyone for drug use. So then why keep these criminal penalties on the books? What, what sort of response are you looking for here? What we're looking for is an, a sufficient control oversight so that you don't have tragedies, so that you don't have someone like poor Mr. Coffee in, um, uh, in Bodega Bay, so that you don't have someone who goes to a social sharing party and winds up dying of an overdose of fentanyl. Um, so that you treat the potential harm that a drug can do with serious respect. And it doesn't become part of a social sharing play day. Um, and and, and that, that's our concern here. So that consumers know that if they're going to use LSD, even for their therapeutic purpose, there is a risk of flashbacks. Uh, which can mean that the the trip you took today will be revisited for the next 35 years. Um, and and that's the issue. And, uh, and to Senator Weiner's excellent point about FDA, there is no reason California, as they did with medical marijuana, can't enact a law with controls themselves right now uh, and have oversights that perhaps FDA could do um, in, in a less timely fashion, but do those on a California basis. That's the responsible way to do this rather than simply put it out there on a trust me basis where consumers don't have active knowledge of the consequences. Just want to hi- if I, uh, I just want to highlight a couple of those points before I toss it back uh, to you, uh, Senator Weiner. Yeah. Uh, just the notion of the social sharing we've been throwing that term around. Uh, just want to explain to listeners that uh, under this legislation, it would allow people to share uh, the psychedelic drugs with one another as, as long as no money is exchanged. Uh, uh, and so, just generally speaking, to some of the ways in which this legislation goes farther than many of its uh, critics are, are comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, your response, Senator Weiner. Yeah, and first of all, I just have to say. We hear all these horror stories of this like outlier. Someone went on an LSD rampage. You don't hear about that very often. That is a very rare occurrence. And again, anyone can have a bad reaction to any kind of drug. But let's be clear, all of these horror stories that we're hearing in terms of the scare tactics all happened under a regime of criminalizing these drugs. So to suggest that, oh, it's safe or it's safer when you criminalize it, that's just not true. And so we know that in like Portugal, when Portugal decriminalized possession of all drugs, 
overdoses went down, HIV infections went down. Oregon voters just decriminalized possession of all drugs. The main House of Representatives just voted to decriminalize possession of all drugs. This is the trend because the war on drugs, our current criminalization and incarceration approach hasn't worked. In terms of social sharing, so when when anyone is using drugs, you can have whatever opinion you want. If you don't want people to use drugs, uh, you know that that's a totally appropriate opinion for someone to have. But if someone is going to nevertheless use drugs, whether that is psychedelics or whether it is heroin or whatever they're using, it is safer for someone to use drugs with someone else present. Because if something happens, if someone has a bad reaction, it is safer if someone else is there to help you or if needed to call for help. It is, it is less safe if we're forcing people to use alone. And so we want to make sure that if someone is using, that they're not violating the law because they're using with someone else there with them. And that's what this is about. And uh, John Lovell, we only have a couple of seconds left, but I'll give the closing few seconds to you. Well, okay. With social sharing, why not as a precursor to social sharing, testing the substance substances that are being socially shared? The bill doesn't do that. The bill just says, trust us, we'll socially share. The, the, the bill decriminalizes, specifically decriminalizes testing kits, which are illegal now. We're going to make it legal for people to actually use the swabs where you can test your psychedelics to see if it's laced with fentanyl. So we're, we're actually doing exactly that. We want it to be safer for people. So this is taking a health approach. It's a, it is a science-based approach as opposed to a fear-based let's just lock everyone up approach, which we've done for 50 years and has been a horrible failure. That's why we're doing this. All right. No one is suggesting that we're locking people up. But again, with your testing kit uh, uh, point, the testing kits should be required to be at social sharing locations. All right. Otherwise, just a play date. Obviously, a lot of thorny issues uh, uh, between these two sides and a lot more to be worked out. Uh, but uh, that is all the time that we have for this topic here today. Um, um, we do thank you both for your time. Uh, we have been speaking to State Senator Scott Weiner. Thank you once again, Senator Weiner. Thank you very much. And thank you to John Lovell, who once again is the Legislative Counsel of the California Narcotics Officers Association. Thank you, sir, very much. This is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Menconi. So far on the program, we've been talking about the legal push to decriminalize psychedelics in California. But as we've been hearing, some of the biggest news about psychedelics is actually taking place in the lab, as researchers study the effects of these compounds on common psychiatric disorders and find one promising result after another. Many of those researchers are now setting up shop at UC San Francisco, with the founding this past spring of the Neuroscape Psychedelics Division. It's a center that, among other things, will be running trials on MDMA as a treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. To hear a little bit more about that work and the broader surge in psychedelic research, we're going to welcome on now Jennifer Mitchell, a professor of neurology and psychiatry at UCSF, who is leading those MDMA trials. Welcome to the program, Jennifer Mitchell. Thank you very much for having me. So to start things off... 
there has been growing public interest as well as the uh, professional interest in psychedelics over the past couple of years. But for any of our listeners that have kind of missed that conversation, help get us all up to speed. Why are psychedelics seen as such a promising tool for treating a, a wide variety of uh, uh, mental illnesses? Well, I, I think most of our data comes from as far back as the 50s when it was very clear that LSD showed promise as a treatment for alcohol use disorder. And uh, additional data took place in the mid 80s with MDMA. And since then, we've all been very interested in trying to get a chance to explore these compounds further. And the sorts of treatment that we should have in mind, uh, again, people more accustomed to traditional uh, psychiatric drugs where you take maybe a, a, a small dose every day. This is a treatment where you are using uh, a therapy assisted by psychedelics. It's a, it's a session. It's a process. That's correct. It is a process. So this is a psychedelic assisted therapy. It's uh, usually a psychedelic in conjunction with therapy as usual or manualized psychotherapy. But one of the differences here is that uh, the, the substance is often considered quite durable. So we're collecting those data now, but in general, there's the, the belief that some of these substances could actually last for years after their administration. So quite a lot of promise there, but I, I suppose just to put a really fine point on it, you know, as we'll hear later in the conversation, the legal status of psychedelic compounds means that they are quite a bit more difficult to study than other therapies you could be studying. So uh, help our listeners understand, uh, for you, what, what is the allure of these psychedelic therapies um, that has kept you working on them despite those challenges? I think for me personally, the allure is uh, the possibility that a, sub a subject or a participant could actually get better and release their trauma or their depression or their anxiety, rather than uh, just dampening it down as is often the case with current medications. So instead of just sort of removing the symptoms, we are actually exploring how to uh, assist participants in releasing the cause of their anxiety or their depression. And the idea is that that's a, a far more durable effect and more impactful, and then just help somebody have a better life. Hmm. And there have been some studies that suggest that that is a possibility? Absolutely. I think that uh, it's fair to say that both psilocybin and MDMA show great promise that way. Uh, the recent phase three trial that was just published with MDMA indicates that in conjunction again with manualized therapy, MDMA is far uh, uh, more able, capable of uh, removing attenuating uh, symptoms associated with PTSD than therapy alone. And this is a field of research, as you alluded to a, a moment ago, that goes all the way back to the 1950s. But then when we get into the 1960s and the backlash to some of the uh, excesses of drug culture in the 1960s, uh, there was uh, a push to criminalize a lot of these compounds and uh, research fell by the wayside. It's only now starting to pick back up again in recent years. Uh, I looked at the actual numbers of research studies that are coming out, and we're seeing uh, uh, quite a big spike in the last uh, couple of years. But uh, really, uh, th this is kind of a, a, a revival, so to speak, of this research. It absolutely is. It's very exciting for those of us that have been waiting for many, many years to have this opportunity. And MDMA was, unfortunately, as an example, was uh, scheduled 
following it sort of leaking out of the laboratory and into the recreational drug scene in the 80s. And unfortunately, it was rulings like that that set the field back about 30 years. And so it really has taken this long for a group to band together and raise the money to appropriately conduct a clinical trial to tell us whether or not MDMA actually is useful for a disorder such as PTSD. Speaking once again with uh, Jennifer Mitchell, a professor of neurology and psychiatry at UCSF. And so you just mentioned a a second ago um, that the money had to be raised for this new center at UCSF to study psychedelics. And uh, that is because uh, federal funding is... not in the cards for psychedelics research, correct? Right. Well, it it hasn't been for quite some time, and and hopefully that is changing. But in in general, because these are scheduled substances and very tightly controlled by the DEA, it makes it very difficult to obtain federal funding to study them. And so that means that we have to turn to to philanthropists and to the community to garner enough money to really conduct the the experiments that are necessary for us to know how valuable these uh, therapeutics might be. Yeah. So talking about the legal status of psychedelics, uh, what kind of hurdles is that creating for you in your research? Well, again, one of them is money. So uh, it would be nice to be able to obtain NIH or VA or Department of Defense funding for some of these studies. And then another is just the the regulatory and compliance issues that come along with using a Schedule One substance. So we have to get permission from the DEA and from the FDA. We typically have to file an investigational new drug application with the FDA. We have to get approval from a number of institutional review boards and our, our, our home institution, and again, as well as the state of California, then we have to find a means for accepting and distributing a Schedule One substance in an institutional setting. So all these steps are actually very time consuming compared to uh, using a therapeutic in the lab that's not scheduled. And that, in a nutshell, is why there are far fewer studies into psychedelic compounds than others? Exactly. And so what is that preventing us from figuring out? What are the big questions? Uh, you study MDMA as, uh, as a treatment for PTSD. What are, what are the big questions? I guess let's focus on that for a second. What are the big questions that are still outstanding there? In general, I think there's the hope that certain psychedelic compounds would have efficacy for a number of mental health indications, and we've only just scratched the surface of those, right? So there are a couple of studies out there that are looking at treatment-resistant depression or major depressive disorder, and then uh, ours as well looking at PTSD, but this leaves a lot of stones unturned. There are reasons to believe that these therapeutics could be very useful for alcohol and substance use disorders and anxiety disorders, and it would be wonderful to obtain the permission and the funding to explore those uh, indications further. Mm. And so it must be very frustrating having all these questions, wanting to get to the bottom of exactly what is the best possible way to do this and to have such limited resources to pursue it. Yeah, you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So getting back to the legislative push that we were discussing earlier in the program, we have been hearing from Senator Weiner the hopes that decriminalization and some of the measures in the bill that he's putting forward, SB 519, will ease this path towards further research, uh, further figuring out whether or not these drugs, as you say, are as effective as uh, it's hoped that they are. How might legislation uh, assist some of these roadblocks that you're talking about there? 
Right. Well, I mean, at present, all of the protocols that use a Schedule One drug have to be reviewed by the DEA and the FDA, as well as the, the California state government. And so perhaps decriminalization could help uh, expedite that process, at least on the state level, a little bit. And then the hope is also that perhaps uh, California could pave the way to decriminalization in other places, and that might make our federal government take a closer look at their scheduling of these compounds, and maybe they'd consider updating the schedule for many of these psychedelics. Uh, So then, uh, given that perspective, what are you going to be watching this legislative process for that, as we've said, might clear away some of these hurdles? What direction are you hoping it's going to go in? What will you be watching most closely? I mean, I would love to see State of California funding for the science that would uh, help us understand some of these substances better. I think that that's a possibility. Certainly, California has led the way before in in other avenues of science that the federal government has shied away from. So uh, my fingers are crossed. All right. And we will close on that point. Uh, We have been speaking to Jennifer Mitchell, professor of neurology and psychiatry at UCSF. Uh, She is uh, leading trials at the newly founded Neuroscape Psychedelics Division also at UCSF. Jennifer Mitchell, thanks so much. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.